This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Talib Vizram, and you're listening to Fast Break, your weekly source of inspiration and motivation in these uncertain times. This week, we'll learn about how video dating is all the rage, what Marie Kondo is tidying up now, and a few pop culture recommendations. This is your Fast Break. I've been curious about how people are dating now that everyone is stuck at home and can't meet in person. So I decided to take a look at the numbers, the dating data, if you will. Dating apps are reporting a 20 to 30% increase in daily conversations between users, even though traditional dates aren't really possible. So what are people doing if they aren't meeting up in person? Well, exactly what we're doing in every other aspect of our lives, video chatting. Match.com, for example, has launched an in-app video chat feature which allows users to get together for virtual dates. Hinge, one of Match Group's many other dating apps, is also encouraging users to meet on the app before moving over to FaceTime for a little FaceTime. Pre-pandemic, only 6% of daters were willing to experiment with video dating. Now that figure is closer to 70%. Just as the app developers are getting creative, so are the users. OkCupid reported that new matches have been connecting to watch old concerts together on YouTube, to build playlists together, to work out together, even to draw pictures of each other. Not needing to physically meet your date has opened some new doors. Tinder recently expanded its passport feature, which lets you meet users from all over the world, even just for some company and friendship. With a younger demographic, Tinder is one of the apps that's built a reputation for promoting hookup culture. But some experts think the age of quarantine may be changing that. Taking physical encounters off the table may help people build more serious emotional connections. While we're all craving real-life interaction, a phased-in approach back to society may mean that video dating sticks around. On Sunday, March 29th, Tinder registered 3 billion swipes, the most on any individual day in the entire history of the app. It makes sense. With so many people at home experiencing isolation, boredom, and anxiety, folks need an outlet. And getting to know someone in the comfort of your own home is not only low stakes, but who knows, might lead to some adventure. And now, with a little help from our friends at Fast Comedy, we'll hear how some couples are dating during quarantine. So I thought a good movie for our first Zoom date would be Bloodshed Night. Ooh, I love scary movies. Okay, I'm gonna share my screen. Okay. You hear the audio? Yeah, I do. Okay, great. Here we go. Oh my God, what? What? Right away? That was so freaky. That was very realistic. Michael, did you see that? Yeah, no, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. If this is too much, like, we don't have to watch this. No, I mean, I mean, I'm just being a baby. I I usually watch scary movies, like, with somebody, but I'm actually really cool doing this, like this. It's fine. Okay. 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 I'm going to keep the movie going. Okay, yeah, totally. So do you have any siblings? Oh, my God, why is that man 
And while hookup culture is temporarily closed, serious relationships are wide open for business. Hey, so um, this whole thing is me thinking, I know we've never met in person before, but I think we should get more serious about this. Whoa, what did you um, have in mind? Do you want to quarantine together for the next four months? Whoa, <sighs> yes. Really? Ah, Duncan, she said yes! <laughs> I mean, do you want to do my place or your place? Let's do my place. My All my weights and my bench press are here. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Really hot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what what is that? What is what? Is someone trying to call you? Oh yeah, oh, that. That's just my, my uh, dentist. It's a video appointment. <laughs> You're not video dating anyone else, right? I thought we were exclusive. We never said that. I gave you my Disney Plus password. Well, everyone gives me their Disney Plus password. <sighs> Do you still want to quarantine together? Yes. Okay, me too. What happens after the quarantine is anyone's guess. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Master organizer Marie Kondo first showed the world how to tidy up their homes and has now turned her sights to decluttering offices. Here to tell us more about her interview with Kondo is Liz Segrin. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks, Talib. In her first book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, her approach was to find items that spark joy in people. What should we expect to learn from her new book? Well, it's really interesting. Her new book is called Joy at Work, and she talks about sparking joy in the workplace. She actually collaborated with a, a business school professor from Rice University called Scott Shonenshine. And together, they worked on this book where she applied some of her theories about tidying to the workplace. So tidying up your desk, tidying up your professional life more broadly, tidying up your meetings, tidying up your career, really. And do they also talk about how to organize other aspects of your professional life beyond just the physical space? Yes, absolutely. They talk about how to organize the things that we are all trying to figure out how to organize, like you know, your meetings, your, your workload. They talk about how a lot of us feel drained by unnecessary meetings and uh, cluttered schedules and endless emails. And so she, she sort of takes the philosophy that she has to tidying up your home and talks about how if we get rid of the unnecessary parts of our job that are just sort of holding us back, that we'll feel more joy at work, basically. <laughs> Huh, that sounds really useful, especially given the upheaval to our work-life situation right now and the adjustments people have had to make. 
it seems like Marie Kondo burst onto the scene and is now synonymous with anything related to modern day organization. What has she been up to since her best-selling book came out? Yeah, this was, this was fascinating. We dug into her remarkable ascent. Um, she launched this book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And then, you know, that quickly became a global sensation. And she's really capitalized on the success of that book. She first, uh, you know, launched a business where she trains consultants to go into people's homes. She has a whole media platform where she's written more books. She has a blog. She has an e-commerce store. But I think the, the biggest thing in this empire is her Netflix show, which came out at the beginning of last year and was just a blockbuster hit. Wow, that's impressive. What kind of products could you find on her e-commerce site? It's fascinating. There are all kinds of interesting things. I had a lot of fun digging through it. There are things like uh, little Zen eggs that you sort of gently caress that help you feel <laughs> less stressed. She has this beautiful Zen garden, which is basically some sand and a little teeny rake that you put on your desk. And raking that sand can be very soothing. And then she has just beautiful things, you know, that you can put in your office space to just kind of bring joy to your life. So she has these beautiful leather covered phone chargers, for instance, because who wants to see, you know, some, some sort of ugly electronic, you know, plug in, in your office, right? You, you, you want to have beautiful things around you. Wow. Maybe I'll look into the Zen egg for my home office. <laughs> I, think, um. I think you'd like it. <laughs> just pivoting back to her incredible rise to fame. How did she get started? You know, she she's a really fascinating character. You know, we think of her as kind of an entrepreneur, but in a lot of ways, she was drawn into this entire world of organizing because of her spirituality. And she was sort of fascinated with tidying from a very young age. But when she was in her teens, she, she discovered that she was really drawn to the Shinto religion which is an animist religion. So it, it's a religion that believes that objects, even inanimate objects, have some sort of spirit in them. And then she realized that part of what she was so drawn to when it came to tidying was this idea that the things that you have in your life actually have some sort of deeper value than most of us ascribe to it. And that we should remove things from our life that are not that valuable to us, not that meaningful to us, and surround ourselves only with things that bring us joy and happiness. And so that's sort of been the core of her entire philosophy. And actually, you know, I guess you could really trace it back to her teens when she discovered this Shinto belief. And actually she became a shrine maiden, which is a kind of a spiritual figure in the in the Shinto faith where she sort of tended to the to the Shinto shrine. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. So I noticed that the CEO of her company is her husband. How did that come about? This was actually one of the most interesting parts of the story. When I interviewed her, um, her husband was, you know, never more than a, a few feet away from her. And I got to know a lot about their partnership, which goes back, you know, a decade. They actually met when they were in their early 20s and they just became really good friends and part of their friendship and then later romance was very much about how they had very complementary skill sets and personalities so while she's very quiet and spiritual he's extremely gregarious and goofy and and really 
kind of, you know, her opposite in a lot of ways. And while she's very focused on her philosophy and the spiritual part of this entire endeavor, he's a very shrewd and, and thoughtful businessman. And so when they started dating, you know, they spent a lot of time talking about their dream of starting this company together. And so, you know, in their relationship today, it's so wonderful to see kind of how their, you know, their love for each other is deeply intertwined with, you know, their passion for bringing this approach to tidying to the whole world. And so that was just a really fascinating part of the story that actually we think of her as the star, but her husband is behind the scenes kind of with her all the time supporting her. Wow. So you can mix business and pleasure, I guess. <laughs> it was one of the most remarkable examples of mixing love and work that I've ever seen. So what are our next steps? Well, it's really interesting because actually, you know, as I was working on this story, I discovered that there is this big tension in her life between, you know, her, her sort of quiet spirituality and her, you know, and her desire to be an entrepreneur. So one thing that we discovered is that it doesn't seem likely that she's going to be doing a second season of her Netflix show, partly because the stress of being, you know, surrounded by so many people all the time seemed kind of overwhelming to her. It seemed like that was maybe one of the reasons she decided to do that. But we do know that her company was acquired by Rakuten, which is a, essentially the Japanese version of Amazon. And that acquisition suggests that she's going to be devoting a lot of time and energy to the e-commerce business that she's launched. And she's probably going to pivot more and more to professional development and professional organizing. So that's where we think she's going. Well, whatever she decides to do, I'm, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of Marie Kondo. Maybe she can tackle climate change next. Yeah, I think that would be good. She, could, she appears to be able to do anything. So let's hope she, she tackles that next. <laughs> Here's hoping. Well, thanks for coming on to the show today, Liz. Thank you, Talib. Next, we'll hear from Fast Company writer Ruth Reader on her quarantine pop culture picks. Hello. I have been staying home like I'm sure all of you have been for the last more than a month. And I've been watching and reading and listening to a variety of things just to keep myself sane or maybe to just keep myself a little bit insane, who knows. So here are a few things that I've been taking in and hopefully at the very least you will find them interesting. Watch all of the films made by Austrian filmmaker Michael Haneke. He does really crazy films that are kind of basically art films, especially like his early work, very artistic, very strange, very dark. But if you are interested in watching the films of Michael Haneke, I would probably recommend his two later films. One is called Amour, and it is about a couple, and it's really beautiful and also strange and a little bit sad, but really a gorgeous film. And the other one is Happy End, which I think is like his most recent film. Also a little bit strange, but about families and family connections and family secrets and sort of the weird dynamics that we all have. Number two, Albert Camus' The Plague. I think some people have really been leaning away from reading anything about the pandemic or watching Contagion, for example, but I'm leaning into it. I'm going all in on pandemic 
literature. So The Plague is probably one of the most famous pieces of pandemic literature, and you will find that it is quite like living with COVID, except uh, more rats and more blood. I think the reason I'm leaning into reading pandemic fiction or stuff that sort of looks a lot like what we're dealing with now is I'm trying to understand it and trying to see through the eyes of other people who have experienced similar things. Number three, I have been listening to Fiona Apple's new album, which just came out, and it is Excellent, obviously, because she is amazing. But it is a really cathartic album, so if you're feeling super frustrated by the pandemic, or a little angsty, or I don't know, and you just really need something to vibe out on that frustration, I would highly recommend it. One of the tracks that I particularly like is Under the Table, which starts out with the line, I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. And so that's all you need to know about that song. <laughs> Obviously right now is a little bit difficult for everyone. I would say that these recommendations are particularly for the kind of person who does not want to be soothed in these times. Perhaps somebody who uh, likes to lean into the pain a little bit maybe, yeah. So hopefully these recommendations speak to you or are interesting or funny or who knows, something different. That's it for this week. Fast Break was produced by Avery Miles. Be sure to check in with us next week for another roundup of helpful tips and creative ideas to stay positive throughout this challenging time. You can subscribe to Fast Break on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you like this show, please leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for joining us. I'm Talib Vizram.